Amen. How, to, how about a big amen for that, huh? That was awesome. Fantastic. Um, I love that last song, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You hang on to that because I'm going to end my sermon with that. Uh, darkness has to flee when the light of the world comes. Amen? And his name is Jesus. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I like things that, uh, that are the first, things that have never happened that uh, through a miraculous event or, or just hard work happened. Don't you? Don't you? Come on, don't you? And, and how about this? The Poto Pirates have done something this year that Poto's never done before. I mean, the Poto Pirates are, are state champions in football in Oklahoma, and we've got a couple of, of pirates right here, right here at Cavanaugh Church. Colton and Ben, you two guys stand up, man. I'm proud of you guys. They're a part of that championship team right there. And uh, man, thank you. Thank you for allowing something good to come to LaFleur County, all right? Good, good deal. Love you guys. Proud of y'all. Man. Hey, I'm going to be in John's Gospel today, John chapter 1. I'm going to preach a series of sermons between now and Christmas entitled, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And if that is familiar to you, it's because back in 1965, they made a film entitled, The Greatest Story Ever Told About the Life and Ministry of Jesus. But more recent than that, uh, that was the name of Living Pictures when we had it here at Kavanaugh. Y'all remember Living Pictures? And it is the greatest story ever told. Whether it be the story of Easter or the story of Jesus' birth, let me tell you, this is the greatest story ever told. And we get to tell it today. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Here's what the Word of God says. In the beginning, the very beginning, was the Word. And the word, Word, is capitalized there because that is describing none other than God's very own Son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made... Come on, if I do this, that means y'all say the Word. Through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Wow. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness could not overcome it. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. And I pray that this word would bring life and light into our lives today. And as I attempt to speak it on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak this word of life into our hearts we want to worship Jesus today. We want to exalt Jesus. And Lord, you have promised that when we exalt Jesus, you will draw all men, women, boys, and girls to yourself. And I pray that that would happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the old hymns that I enjoy singing says, I love to tell the story. Y'all remember singing that? I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seems hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Well, the Christmas season is a great time of year to not only hear but tell that old, old story. It is a story in the Gospels that is told four different times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
And in many ways, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are parallels to one another. And theologians call these first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels. That word synoptic means to see things the same way. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. John, on the other hand, gives a distinctive portrait of Jesus that is not found in the other three Gospels. In fact, the prologue of John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is considered one of history's greatest theological statements. The Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren called the prologue of John's Gospel the deepest part of Scripture. Arguably, it is the most profound theological passage that is found in the entire Bible. And it gives us a different perspective of the birth of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, consider this. When we open Matthew's Gospel, it tells us the story of how Jesus came into the world from a Jewish perspective. And it's almost as if it is told through the eyes and mouth of Joseph the carpenter. When we open Mark's gospel, we read that he decides to forego the nativity scene. He gives us no information about the birth of Jesus. He begins in the ministry of Jesus with Jesus' baptism. Luke was a great historian. And he tells us the story of the birth of Jesus from the perspective of Mary the mother of Jesus. In fact, I believe that Luke went to Mary's home and sat down at a table with Mary and interviewed her and heard the story firsthand of how Jesus came into this world. Why? When you read Luke chapter 1 and 2, it's as if you were hearing it from the mouth of the mother of Jesus, Mary. But, but then when you come to John, we realize that he has a different story. He is telling us the birth of Jesus from the perspective of the Heavenly Father. How God views the birth of his Son on planet Earth. So here we have this trio of perspectives. Matthew tells us about the birth of Jesus from Joseph's eyes. Luke tells us the birth of Jesus from Mary's perspective. And John gives us the birth of Christ from the Heavenly Father's perspective. And the Heavenly Father's perspective begins with the identity of His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, John begins his gospel with what is arguably the most profound series of sentences ever written in the entire sweep and scope of human literature about God's Son, Jesus Christ. And his very first statement is a blockbuster. What does he say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, church, here's where I'm going between now and Christmas. I, I want you to see Jesus like you've never seen Jesus before. I want you to see Jesus as Jesus really is. That means if you are here today in the next two weeks and you're a believer, I want you to see Jesus in such a way that you fall back in love with Jesus. 
When you realize what Jesus has done for you, it's going to want to make you to worship him and honor him and adore him and glorify him like you've never done before. And so my hope for you is that you just fall back in love with Jesus. And you come at the end of this service and you lay your body out on this altar as a living sacrifice and you give your life back to Jesus because of what he's done for you. Secondly, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you've never accepted God's gift of salvation, my prayer for you today in the next two weeks is that you be moved to the core of your being as you realize what God has done for you in giving you the gift of salvation. And as you realize how much Jesus knows you and how much Jesus loves you and cares for you and wants to have a relationship with you, that you'll give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I've been praying all week that those two things would happen in this room this morning. So let's, let's, let's look at the life of Jesus given in the gospel of John. And, and by the way, incidentally, all of this was John's reason for writing the gospel of John. Look at what he said in John chapter 20, verse 31. He said, these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Let me put it like this. Jesus left heaven to come down to earth so that we could leave earth and go up to heaven. Amen. Amen. How about that? What a great gift. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and if I interpret that, it simply means this. You don't go to heaven except you go through Jesus Christ. He is the only way because he is the truth and the life. And if you want to have a relationship with God himself, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. He's the only way to the Father. So having said all that, let's look at our scripture today. We're going to notice three things about Jesus, God's gift to mankind. We're going to learn this morning about his identity Number two, about his activity. And number three, about his ministry to us. First, let's learn who he is, his identity. Who is Jesus Christ? What does God the Son look like? Well, it reminds me of the mama who was uh, in the kitchen. I don't know, maybe she, was, maybe she was making cookies for adopt a family. I don't know. She could have been doing that, but she was busy working in the kitchen, and her young son, little boy, was at the kitchen table, and he was coloring. He was drawing, and she happened to look up and see he, he was really into it, and she said, son, what are you doing? And without looking up, he said, oh, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, well, you, you can't do that. Nobody knows what God looks like, and without even looking up and without a pause, he said, they will when I'm finished. <laughs> you with me? Look at John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Y'all remember when your babies were born? Yes, mamas always remember, don't they? 
Here's what happens modern day when a baby is born. I, I remembered this when I saw little Ella Jane come into the room for the first time and, and we met her, my little granddaughter. The, the hospital puts a bracelet around their wrist. Some hospitals do it around, hey, notice this, I can stand, oh. that's as long as I can do it, around their ankle, and you know what that bracelet does? It identifies them. So they don't get them mixed up in the nursery. Why? Because all babies look the same. No, not really. But you know what? We don't want those babies mixed up, do we? So they put a band around their wrist or around their ankle identifying them. They didn't have that in the manger of Bethlehem. Jesus did not have one of those wristbands on, did he? But if he did, and it identified him, When Mary and Joseph looked down and read who their son was, it would distinctly say, God. And that's it. God. Because that's who that baby was. God in the flesh. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus was and is God. He was and is God eternal, and he was and is God equal. Look at our passage. First of all, he was and is God eternal. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now, what an interesting way to introduce us to Jesus, this baby born in Bethlehem. He was the Word. But I think John was on to something, something very powerful, something that we need to know about the identity of Jesus Christ. You see, words communicate thoughts. And as I'm trying to speak words out to you today, they come out of my body. They come out of my heart and my head. I'm communicating to you what's inside of me. You cannot separate a person from their thoughts or their words. And Jesus is God eternal. He is the word of God and he is eternal. That means that when time started... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were already there. Now, wrap your finite mind around that. Before there was anything else, before there was a go, a start, God was. He has always been. When God created the world, Jesus was there. When God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus was there. When God created Adam and Eve, Jesus was there. We're going to find out in a moment. He was more than just there. He did it. Why? Because he is God eternal. Not only that, he is God equal. Verse 1b says, the word was with God and the word was God. And so when it says the word was with God, it signifies this intimacy that exists in the Godhead Trinity, those three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and and the Father are one. You, you, You can't separate them. And so here we have something about his identity. You need to understand that Jesus Christ is God eternal and he is God equal. And you're sitting there thinking, well, big deal. Let me tell you, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? 
Because when your life is a mess and you can't straighten things out on your own, you need someone who is in authority, someone who is in power, someone who has more than you have. And Jesus does because he's God. He is God eternal and he is God equal. Second thing I want you to learn about Jesus is his activity. In other words, just what in the world has Jesus been up to? What in the world has Jesus been doing since the very beginning? Well, verse 3 tells us. Verse number 3, John 1, 3. All things were made... Come on, people. All things were made through him. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just because I'm simple or stupid, but I, I just have a hard time... I just have a hard time understanding that through him, all, all things were made through him. I think what that means is that every, everything that came into existence had to somehow or another pass through Jesus before it was made. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. That's pretty profound. And I don't guess I'm much of a theologian. If I were writing a commentary on John chapter 1 verse 3, I, I would just have to say, you know what? Here's what that means. Nothing would be here without Jesus. Because that right there says it. Through him and by him, everything came into existence. The Apostle Paul helps us with this in Colossians chapter 1. Here's what Paul said, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He, speaking of Jesus, are y'all still with me? Okay. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. That again, if, if you want to understand God, look at Jesus. If you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus. Why? Because he is the image of our invisible God. He is God. God who came to earth. He is the firstborn over all creation. And for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Oh, man. There ought to be at least an amen. That is powerful. How about a hallelujah? hallelujah. Let me tell you, this is so interesting to me because it says three times that by him, through him, and for him, everything was made. By him, through him, for him. Again, without Jesus, we wouldn't have anything. What does this mean? It means two things. Number one, Jesus is creator. He created everything. Have you thought of it like that before? Jesus made it through him, by him, for him. Everything came into existence. Again, Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Remember... Just a point ago, we said that Jesus is the Word. So in Genesis, when it says, God said, let there be light, 
that word that God said was Jesus. And it happened. He has the ability to create something out of nothing. Because in the beginning, there was nothing. Look at me. You can't do that. You can't do that. We have some brilliant minds on the face of the earth, and we have some pretty smart people in this room. And you can invent things. Some of you have invented things. You've made things. But you know what? You have made something new out of something that already existed. But Jesus made something out of nothing. Theologically, that is called, he created ex nihilo, made something out of nothing. You can't do that. But Jesus did. He is not only creator, he is controller. Verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1 puts it like this. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. In him all things revolve. He not only made it, he holds it in the palm of his hand. He not only spoke it into existence, it revolves around his being. Wow. That's who he is. And when it says thrones and powers and rulers and authorities were established by Jesus, what that means is this. Jesus is the controller of the controllers. Jesus is the authority of all authorities. Jesus is king above every king. Jesus is ruler above all rulers. That's his activity. That's what he's been up to. And you might say again, well, big deal. Dude, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because he has the power to create something out of nothing. He has the power to sustain that which he has created. You know what? All of us need something new in our life. We need a new heart. We need a new spirit. Why? Because the spirit that is inside of us, the heart that is in us, is dead. It's decaying. It's going to send us to hell. We need something new. And Jesus is the one who can create that. And not only create it, he can sustain it. And that brings me to the third point this morning, his ministry. Now, guys, this is absolutely amazing to me. The one who is God... The one who embodies the wisdom, the thoughts, the the mind of Almighty God. The one who created everything out of nothing. Created ex nihilo. This one who is the source of life and light to all humans. This one wants to have a personal relationship with peons like us. Isn't that mind-boggling? Look at verses 4 and 5. In him was... And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Wow. You know what this means? It means that Jesus is life and light. He is those two things. He is life and light. He is life. It says in him was life. What a statement. What a statement. Remember John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to 
steal, and to kill, and to destroy. He's talking about the ministry of the devil, the arch enemy of your soul. What's the devil after? He's after your life. He wants to steal from you the joy of life. He wants to kill you physically, and he wants to destroy you for all eternity. The devil is not your friend. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. Jesus, on the other hand, said, I have come that you might have life. And not only that, that you might have life more abundantly. Right now, there are some people in this room who are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. We were all that way at one one time in our life. And only Jesus can bring new life into a dead person's heart. And he does that through redemption when we believe in him and trust in him. Why? Because Jesus is life. Not only that, Jesus is light. He is the light giver. Verse number four says, that life was the light of men. Did did you know that on your own, all you can do is stumble around in darkness? There is no way in the world you can create light in your dark life. You don't have the power in and of yourself to create the light that is needed to overcome the darkness that is in this world and that is in your heart. You're not, you ain't picking up what I'm putting down, are you? Man, what a pretty tree. Isn't that pretty? That's real. That's a real tree. I don't know, it's 72 feet tall. No, 12, 12 feet tall. Came from, came from Justin's uh, family. Uh, there you are, Justin. Came from your, your family tree farm out there by Charleston. If y'all, if y'all want a good tree, Justin's your man right there. His mom and dad raised him. That's a dandy right there. Uh, Angie and Fred went and, went and got it, and some of us helped put it on a stand. We didn't have a good enough stand, so we went and bought another stand. And then, then Angie and Sherry put lights on it. Aren't those lights pretty? Now, if you were in the first service, you can't answer this because you know the answer. Somebody tell me, how many lights you think are on that tree right there? How many lights you think are on that tree? 800. What, another, another answer. 1,000. 1,100. 12,000. 1,200. No. You know how many lights are on that tree? 3,900 lights. 3,900 lights. 3,900 lights. It is such a pretty tree. I told Angie, babe, there is no reason we need to put up a tree in our house this year. We got this tree to come look at. 3,900 lights. Now, I came in here after the tree was up. Nobody else is in here, just me, by myself, me, myself, and I, the three of us. And I took the extension cord that all 3,900 lights are plugged into, and I held that cord in my hand. Just like that. It's right there in my hand. And I took my two fingers and I put them onto the prongs of that extension cord. And I closed my eyes. And I mustered up all the power that I had within my body. (laughs) And I gripped those prongs. Then I plugged. No, I didn't do that. (laughs) I didn't do that. I thought about that, but I held it. Come on, lights. Come on, lights. But the lights didn't come on. 
You know why? I don't have the power to make those lights come on. I had to plug them into the outlet over here, the source of power. And when I plugged them into that outlet, boom, 3,900 lights came on. Isn't that amazing? Friends, my point is this. You don't have the power to light up your own life that is dark in sin. You can't do it. You, you can't muster up enough power to light up your own life. You need to plug your life in to the light source. And that light source is none other than God's Son, Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, and He can light up your own life. Now, let me tell you about this light. Verse number 5 says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And if you have notes in your Bible, you might look down there and it, it explains this word comprehend. The word comprehend really means overpower. That is the darkness cannot overpower. It cannot extinguish the light. Jesus, Jesus. What, what does it say? Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. He does. You understand this. Light overcomes darkness. Are you with me? You go into a room that is completely dark. You flip on that switch and what happens? It lights up. The light overcomes the darkness. If you go into a room that is already light, maybe there's windows and the sun is shining in. It is a light room. There is no magical switch that you can flip that turns that light off and makes that room dark. It doesn't work that way. Darkness does not overcome light. Light overcomes darkness every time. And that's what Jesus does. His light overcomes the darkness that is in your heart. You say, big deal. Dude, it is a big deal. It's the biggest deal in the world. Why? Because all of us need a new life. And all of us need the light of Jesus to get out of this dark world. I read a story recently about a man named Christian. It's an interesting name, Christian. Wasn't always his name. In fact, he was a Buddhist monk from Thailand. And he came to the United States. And soon after coming here, his life started spiraling downward. He got in trouble with the law. He was put in prison, released from prison. He was looking for answers to life's problems. He was looking for answers to the turmoil that was going on in his own life. And he couldn't find those answers everywhere, anywhere. He, he was a, a Buddhist monk. Remember that? He, he, he studied Buddhism and, and he understood Buddhism, but he realized that that wasn't the answer. And so one day he was in his apartment watching TV, sitting in his chair. He was flipping through the channels and he happened to come across a preacher who was quoting a passage in the Bible that this Buddhist monk knew. And he thought, that's interesting. I'll listen to this for a moment. And this preacher went on to preach about Jesus, the one who can give life, 
the one who can bring light into a dark life. And that Buddhist monk listened to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and at the end of that man's sermon on TV, he got out of his chair, and he knelt in front of the TV where that preacher was, and he confessed his sins, and he invited Jesus into his heart. Such a radical change came upon his life that he changed his name to Christian to signify the change that Jesus had made. And can I tell you something? Jesus is still changing lives today. He can change your life. Maybe, maybe you've been stumbling around in the darkness Messing up your life, going from one tragedy to another. Jesus can straighten all of that up. He brings light to the darkness. He can give you a new life if you'll only trust him. So two things this morning. If you're here today and you're a believer, you've trusted Jesus. It's my prayer, I've been praying for you all week, that today you would fall back in love with Jesus. And that you would come to the altar this morning. And, and don't literally do this because other people will need to come down here and pray too. But that you symbolically would lay your life on the altar and just give everything to Jesus. Love him like you've never loved him before. Worship him like you've never worshiped before. Glorify him like you've never glorified before. Praise him like you've never praised him before. Because today you realize who he is and what he's done for you. And secondly, if you're here today and you've never accepted God's gift of salvation... I implore you, I beg you to come and receive God's gift. It will change your life. Heavenly Father.